Hello from Cyberry and Delinea, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cyberry podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cyberry.it. From all of us at Cyberry and Delinea, thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the 401 Access Tonight. It's your bi-weekly podcast. I'm your host for the episode, Joseph Carson, and I'm joined by my Mixer co-host, which is Chloe. Chloe, can you tell us about yourself? And uh, Yeah. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Chloe Mistagi, and I'm the Chief Impact Officer over at Cybury. And I get to be this awesome person's podcast person. <laughs> it's always great to have another great person on the episode that can really add a lot of value. And we're also joined with another amazing guest today. So, Bob Burns, uh, can you tell us about yourself and what you do? Yeah, thanks, Joe and Chloe. I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, so, I'm the Chief Security Officer for uh, a division of Talus called Talus Cloud Protection and Licensing. Um, and I uh, basically am in charge of our security teams across all of our products and cloud offerings. Um, I've been in cybersecurity before it was called cybersecurity. Uh, started as a software engineer a long time ago. I won't talk about how long ago it was, um, but uh, ended up uh, sort of progressing, building my career around building crypto, building secure software. Software, figuring out how to do that as a discipline on my own, and then building teams around that, um, and then eventually uh, into the position I am now, where I'm managing three different teams across multiple disciplines uh, to try to improve and make sure our products are secure and uh, keeping our customers as risk-free as possible. Awesome. And kind of one of the things I always interested in, in the types of roles that you're doing and having teams and you know and different kind of you know ideas of how to make sure that it's meeting the business needs. Kind of how do you go around? What's what's your priorities that you have? Kind of, so how do you kind of kind of go through the risk and prioritize what's the most important for you? That is a great question. That's something I wrestle with a lot. Um, I think one of my one of my sort of north stars of of the things that I tell my teams um, is that we. Uh, while we care about the business and we obviously need to keep the lights on and we do everything that we need to do to make the product secure, at the end of the day, our primary objective is to really look after the customer risk. Our customers buying our products and using our services because they have a risk. And if we don't do our jobs, they get impacted. So yes, there's always a business impact on our side, but at the end of the day, we are really trying to make sure that the customer risk is being managed and that we're meeting the promises that we make our customers with respect to the security controls that we're giving them. So that's really sort of the, the, the primary principle, and then we fold off of that depending on the services, whether it's cloud services or whether we be building hardware encryption products or whether we're building communication products. It all manifests slightly differently, um, and it comes down that way. And I have different teams. So one is I look after product security, so security engineering and architecture. So they take a very um, sort of left uh, left of the engineering uh, SDL side, right? They worry about whether you're building this thing correctly. I also have the cloud security team where they're worried about not only building correctly, but also deploying it and operating it uh, securely. And then we have a whole certification and compliance angle as well, where the markets won't accept our product unless we get some third-party validation um, and go through that formal process. And that actually is a big circle because it all feeds in. You can't get something certified or, com- or complied if you're not building it the right way to begin with. So it's kind of a kind of a neat circle for, for my teams. A lot of responsibility and a lot of complexity gets on us as well. Yes. I mean, how, going forward, how would you build a strategy around that? I mean, how, how do you make sure that 
um, you know, your plans for the vision for the year and even forward, you know, multiple years. Um, how are you kind of even future-proofing or thinking about the future of cybersecurity for the, for the business? That's, uh, that's something I've been thinking about a lot this week. Um, I think um, the, the epiphanies I've had over the past couple of days, you know, we've gone through the pandemic, right? And, you know, the teams instantly went home and worked from their separate quarters and we were all very technical. So we focused on the technical problems. We got down to the business of, you know, how do we do remote work? How do we, how do, we do this securely? How do we do it in an efficient way? How do we stay productive? Um, and we went through that and we've been living that for two years. You know, I've come out here and I found that I've gravitated towards topics that are more about the human condition. So focusing less on the technical. Um, and I, I don't know if it's subliminal, but for some reason, the, the different chats and, and things that I've marked on my calendar and I've gone and attended and got the most out of is really around focusing on that. And I think some of the conversations I've been having out here, reconnecting with people, connecting with new people, um, having conversations that, you know, I've sort of had with my dog under my desk, but, <laughs> which, you know, she doesn't react exactly the same way that uh, you guys do. Um, so that's really sort of opened my eyes. So for my strategy going forward, one of the things that I want to focus on is the human-centric aspect of security um, in multiple dimensions. One is for my team. Um, I want to make sure that while we still continue to work remote and hybrid, um, that we have supportive systems from both a professional development standpoint as well as a technology development standpoint. Um, but more importantly, it's all of the teams that we interface with because um, while uh, uh, you know I have great teams, we're a very small portion of the entire picture. Um, you know, we have to influence teams. We have over 600 engineers that we have to work with, both in the cloud and the product space, um, and we're a team of 25. Um, so we've got to be able to influence them, and you can't just make policies. You can't just, uh, you know, uh, put roadblocks in front of them. We've got to work really strongly. Well, we've had good luck doing that in the past, but the pandemic has brought many more barriers to that sort of transition. So what have you learned, basically, from the pandemic, and has your leadership style changed at all when it comes to your security strategy across your teams? Um, I think it has, well, definitely has changed how I manage my teams. That's, that's for sure. Um, we've, we've had some, you know, being remote and not being able to travel, not being able to face to face, you have to change some tactics. You have to be in communication a bit more. You have to be a bit more transparent, um, through other channels. So things that would normally happen organically, you have to force them to happen. So from that perspective, uh, from a, from a technical strategy standpoint, um, I think there really hasn't been any huge uh, epiphanies that came out of from the pandemic per se, but we still have um, a lot of challenges around our customer risk because our customers are now a lot more remote. Mm -hmm. um, they want a lot more, you know, access control from, from, you know, places in homes or on phones or wherever their employees may be. Um, and that was not the traditional model that we served before from our, from our technology. So we have to rethink. And when we go to the teams and we talk about some of the security controls that they need to put in place from an engineering standpoint, we have to take that into account and say, look, your, your user base has changed. This is no longer people sitting in an enterprise office, putting a smart card in a laptop. They're actually in an airport or they're in their, you know, in their barn, you know, where their internet connection's better, um, wherever they may be. So, so pretty much organizations and network has become the internet. Exactly. <laughs> which, exactly. which is where, you know, it used to be these closed networks. Exactly. Where now you're actually operating in the public internet. Um, and it means that you have to think a lot differently to security uh, very much from an organization. Yeah, certainly where it changes is our threat model, right? So a lot of what we do, we base it off of sort of a, a risk-based threat model approach of how we look at where the where the products are used. So 
taking that and modifying the, the threat model and then bringing those conversations to the engineering teams to say, hey, we need to reconsider this. Things we might have thought were lower risk before become a higher priority, so we have to bump them up. And that's going to have a knock-on effect to the things that we do, whether we're applying you know, uh, tools earlier on in the life cycle or tools when we deploy into the cloud. That's where, that's where we'll get some sort of tactical changes. But from a strategic standpoint, it's really about relooking at our threat models, what our customers are doing, how the world is different now, um, and how we go about trying to, again, lower the risk for our customers and the people we care about. Absolutely. So being here at both B-Sides and RSA, yeah. what's, has there any been specific talks or topics that you really were compelled or really give you something exciting to think about so that you can actually take back with you and maybe start putting into practice very specific areas that you find that was very interesting? Yes, um, I, I think across both. And I was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was very surprised. I sort of, you know, subliminally picked things and I, I, I sort of leaned towards the human stuff. Um, uh, there were a number of really good talks, in fact, uh, there uh, around building security programs. Uh, and around the human condition. Uh, unfortunately, my memory's bad. I, I had it. There was a great one uh, this morning uh, that was uh, here at RSA uh, that was around um, the psychology of um, uh, how humans uh, interact with the world, how they have sort of the lizard brain and the, and the cognitive brain. And that was really excellent. It really got you to think about how the people that you're trying to interact with, you know, they have different reactions. Um, also good, uh, good, Good programs on building a security program, like how you build out a security champions program, about how you bring in, you increase your sphere of influence into the engineering organizations to be able to uh, find those advocates who are willing to, to be a part, uh, a satellite part of your team and make the whole organization stronger. And there's been a couple of really good ones on that um, that were that were fantastic. And the same at B-Sides. B-Sides had some really good talks around, around the human element, which I, I, I gravitated towards. I, I I just applaud that there's so many more conversations about that human element part because I feel like we keep talking about it before the pandemic and then when the pandemic hit, something like everyone's like, I don't understand why Bob isn't doing work. Not you, Bob, but like, I don't understand uh, do why Bob me? is doing do any you work. Know me? Oh and then goodness. next thing you know, it's like, well, you know, people are going through a lot of stuff and, and, and you know, we're still having that life changing moment as well. Um, what has been like the main takeaway so far from RSA conference when it comes to that human element problem on security teams? Um, I think for me, uh, coming from an engineering background, I always have gravitated more towards the technical, right? That's my solution. When I see a hole, I think about how can I fill that? How can I make a tool better? How can I get a different tool? How can I put a pipeline together to solve that problem, right? And that's always sort of uh, driven a lot of what we've done as teams as well is that we've put together the right tools. I think um, uh, it was Netflix who coined the term uh, paved roads and guardrails back in 2017. Uh, and we've been following that paradigm, right? Because we're a small team, we want to have a bigger impact. Um, what I think uh, I've, I've gotten out of this is that we can't always just fill holes with tools. You can't just give them to a team and assume that they're going to do it. And that was one of the things that talk earlier talked, uh, uh, talked about um, was around the notion that 
um, you know, the engineers are going to react with their lizard brain. When you just tell them, you know, oh, here's a big risk, you've got to do this, you know, they want to take the quickest path and they don't want to necessarily see that as a risk and so they ignore it, right? So you've got to, you've got to appeal to their cognitive side and you've got mm -hmm. to sort of put it into a frame where they can actually adopt it and realize that intellectually this is the right thing to do and, and, and actually make it less painful for them so they don't see it as a risk for them or their work um, and help them do that. And I think I'm going to focus a lot more this year on figuring out strategies to do that. That's, that's awesome, because for me as well, I mean, a few years ago, one of the main themes at RSA was also the human element. Yeah. Um, and I think it's become, I think for me, organizations really need to invest in the people side. Because yeah. it's too often they invest a lot in tools, yeah. and then they hope that people can actually figure out how to make it work. Yeah. But you need to have the balance. Yeah. You need to make sure that the people are well-skilled, well-trained, and they know how to use it properly. Because if you don't, you end up with misconfigurations, poorly implementations, with tools that could solve problems, but end up being basically resulting in cyber attacks or some type of incident. So I definitely think that you know the people side is so much important. And also, I really enjoyed, uh, you mentioned the Netflix uh, a few years ago, because they also was at the session as well. But I also remember uh, the one at uh, uh, B-Sides as well. I find it very compelling as well. They, uh, I've heard similar kind of uh, uses before, but how it was put together and the story and, you know, really thinking about, you know, people's stress and how to make sure how to, you know, facilitate, how to give them the time and how to take them through. And they're all working together. We all have the same journey. And let's make sure all of us get through that in the end successfully. And because absolutely, you know, security is not a very, it's not a, a thankful industry. And we always have to remember at some points in time, you have to stop and enjoy the wins. You have to stop and enjoy and have fun. Because um, if you don't, uh, you end up, you really kind of, it becomes almost a thankless job. Yeah. Um, and it's, there's, you never win. <laughs> so you have to think about, you know, what, it, what does winning mean in security as well? I think we have to redefine that. Uh, because I think how we measure those wins today is not, is not how we should be measuring them. Yeah, that actually brings to mind there's an interesting um, comic from Cyanide. It's been going around InfoSec for the past couple of years where you have a panel with two little guys with two little smoldering fires, and the next panel is one guy puts out the fire, right? And the other guy's just looking at his, and he lets his get really big. And then he goes, hey, everybody, there's a fire over here. And then he puts it out, and they put him on his shoulders and carry him away. And the guy who put out the fire to start with is just sitting there not getting celebrated, right? Not, not you know, for not doing the right thing. And I... I, I I frequently go back to that when I talk to my teams. I say, look, you're getting the wins. we got to celebrate these little wins. Um, you know, even if, even if we can't point to an active attack and say we stopped that, we've got to say, hey, that was a really good framework or that really made it easy to deploy. You know, we make, um, uh, you know, GitLab uh, templates where they can just pull in things on their CI/CD line for doing, you know, secure um, static analysis or, or secure code scanning or various other things, you know, antivirus pre-deployment. Pre um, so we've rolled those out and we don't get kudos or slaps on the back. But we know it's being used, right? We know it's it's really getting a lot of traction, and it makes it easier for them as a paved road to just adopt that that capability. So absolutely, I think something somebody reminded me. It's like um, uh, that our job industry, if you were to compare it to something else, it's almost like the garbage collectors. Yeah, it's like it just gets done, but it's not it's not somebody going to thank the person for taking away the rubbish or or, or, or you know, making the community cleaner and safer. Um, and that was almost like it's like you know it's it's in such an important role. But you tend to not see it happening. It's not always out there full front and center. 
So, but any, any thoughts that you have? Oh, I just think our whole industry has always been like, we got to put out the fire. We're not doing preventative work as much. And because, yeah, that's just how it's been. It's always like, well, we have to deal with the situation. Well, we don't have enough people. We don't have enough uh, hours in the day to really like plan things out, have that incident response plan up to date. And, and then it's always like, well, we got to put out another fire. And it just feels like when we start getting more proactive, I think that's when we're going to start being more mentally healthy in our industry. Absolutely. So for me, it's actually, we were talking about that earlier this week. We're talking about being proactive. How do you make sure that you're having the balance between where you're firefighting and also the balance between actually doing something that helps reduce the fires in the future, that has a long-term strategy, that has a long-term you know, vision? And how do you make sure you're having that proper balance? Because it is difficult to make sure that you are actually, through whether it being automation or whether it being you know, team building and teamwork, uh, to really make sure you've got a good strategy and vision. But it's, it's fantastic well, having you here. You're really insightful. That, for me, you've got me excited about something else that I can take <laughs> away as well. Um, any final any final things for the audience that you would like to, to if there was one thing that you would like them to take away, what would it be? Um, I think for me, um, and, and obviously I think this really comes out of our recent experience with the pandemic, um, the thing I've learned and the thing in retrospect that I've gone back and looked at is that there does need to be a human connection somehow. Now, obviously, within safety protocols and as you feel comfortable and, you know, I don't want to get into the politics of back to the office. Um, but, you know, going back to your point about, um, you know, the things that need to be done to, to make the team supported, I realized that because we were in offices, it was happening organically, right? We were getting some, we had those relationships with the dev teams because we could sit in front of a whiteboard and we can have the discussions and we can walk next, you know, or they could come into our cubes and say, hey, what about this thing, right? And I think we've we've lost some of that, or at least I know my team has lost some of that. So we've had to sort of work harder. And that's why I'm thinking about this human element. It's like now the new world is not back to the office. We're not going to be back to the office. So the thought that we can get that organic back naturally is just not going to happen. So now we have to work at that. We have to go a little bit further, figure out what our, as you said, strategy. Um, so I need to help, I need to focus and I need to help my teams focus a little more on being able to develop, you know, training materials or, or being able to, to do this stuff asynchronously without being able to walk into someone's cube or sit in front of a whiteboard. We've got to find other ways to do it. So that's my, that's going to be my big mission this year is to sort of work on that. Absolutely. It means, and, and, and when you realize that you have to work so much harder now to, to really build it back in that new kind of environment. So it's, um, it's been awesome having you here. So many thanks for joining us on the episode Thank today. you for having both Chloe, of you. It's great having you with me and I'm really excited about more episodes. Yeah. Got so, so many coming. We do indeed. So for everyone, again, this is 401 Access Tonight. I'm Joe Carson, joined with Chloe and Bob. And we hope that you tune in every two weeks. Stay safe, take care, and see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Learn how your team can get a free trial of Cybrary for Business by going to www.cybrary.it slash business. This podcast is also brought to you by Delinea. Dicotic and Centrify are now Delinea, the leader in privileged access management. To learn more, visit delinea.com.